You're listening to Infinite TBR, the podcast where we try not to buy more books. I'm Smack. And I'm Gabby. Spoiler alert, we're going to avoid major spoilers, and when we can, warn when we're going to discuss a particular book in detail so you can avoid that part of the episode. You can also check the show notes for timestamped flags identifying potential spoilers. Future Gabby here, this time not with spoilers, uh, but with kind of a disclaimer. We made the rookie mistake of recording in front of an open window on a windy day because we live in San Diego where it is beautiful. Why would you ever close the windows? Um, The answer we have found out since is because you're recording a podcast. So there are a couple spots where there's some wibbly wobbliness and we apologize for that in advance. Now we're back with (laughs) round two! The mysterious galaxy summer bingo. Roundup. Roundup. Throwdown. Tournament. <laughs> PvP. Who's going to win? When we left off, I had two seconds ago. I had six. You had five. I had five. And we had one tie. And we had one tie. So we're halfway through the 24 mm-hmm. bingo spots. Okay. Next up. <laughs> Smack has to fight to convince me that Fierce Fairy Tales was better than... Shadow of the Fox. Oh, no, I win. I... <laughs> okay, yeah, you do. Do I? Okay. You do. Okay, tell me Fierce about fairy Fierce Fairy Tales. Fairy Tales was good. It's, it's very much like a feminist retelling of a bunch of fairy tales, and they're both prose poems and actual, yeah. like, regular poems. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. You Love me be. some fairy tales. It's good. Sounds great. It's good. It does get a little repetitive by the end. Okay. Not by the end, but like the two thirds mark, and then it picks up again. Okay. But like it's it's a really good collection. Okay. It's not. It's not the. Shadow it's not the shadow of the fox. Okay. <laughs> God, you're wiping the floor with me. <laughs> the rest must be really good. Lycanthropy and other chronic illnesses. <laughs> Galactic Hellcats. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yes, but we should explain yes. Galactic Hellcats. Galactic Hellcats was a really fun romp, sci-fi, space space opera romp, um, found family, space motorcycles. Um, Like, they form this adorable little girl gang. Plus one. Plus one. (laughs) Plus one guy. But the whole premise is that the main character gets... um, Key. Yes. Mm -hmm. K-I. Key. Yeah. She inherits this, like, super freaking fancy space-worthy motorcycle. Not quite legally, like... Yeah. There's some um, question over whether... And and it's from her best friend who dies from some horrible yeah, wasting. Yeah, it's a really sad beginning. It's I remember getting really to that upsetting. part and I was like, why am I reading this? <laughs> and... It's really sad. Her best friend dies. Yeah. He's like her only friend. Yeah, her only friend, her only family, like the only person in the world she cares about and yeah. could... Um, and he leaves her this pristine yeah. space motorcycle. And she's desperate to fill that hole, like, yes. immediately. Yeah. But along the way, she collects... A found Yeah, basically a, a small found family, and there's a heist. Mm-hmm. And then they So all... she ends up almost, like, entrapping this... Her, um, it's, like, Margie? Mar... Marjorie? Marjorie? I can't remember their names. I don't it's remember been their too names, long. yeah. Um, but there's this, like... Not straight, but there's this war veteran yeah. who comes back and is, like, kind of at loose ends looking for a job. She's looking for parents. She's looking for a job. They have really and high she, expectations for her. And she she's definitely just... has some PTSD. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's really Absolutely. interesting, though, because, like, 
her PTSD, she doesn't feel like she is allowed to have PTSD. Yeah. Because half the time, not, it's not like on Earth fighting. She was in a spaceship. Yeah. And she wasn't like fighting, fighting. She was like and a supplier. Or yeah. Something. And sometimes she didn't even realize they were in like an actual battle yeah. and not a drill until it was all over. And everybody was like, oh, you did so well. You, you were, were so, so cool. cool. Yeah. And she was, and then she freaks out. Yeah. It Very hits quietly. her like several battles in, like yeah. all of a sudden out of nowhere. And then um, honorable discharge. Right. And then the story picks up with her like at trying to find a job after yeah. that. A respectable job. A respectable job. job yeah. That will and shut up her parents. she sort of... And then she runs into Key. Oh, <laughs> no, she ends she, up at a motorcycle lot. Right. And, and not their, their like, space oh, motorcycle. Oh, just look. Yeah. I'm just looking. And, and then, this like, car salesman suckers her. And yeah. suddenly she's got a space motorcycle. <laughs> and all of her back pay is gone. Yep. And instead of fessing up to her parents, mm-hmm. who would absolutely not approve. Yeah. Or, like, reselling it and getting any money back. Anything back. She, she runs into Key. Yeah. <laughs> who kind of drags her into all of her... And Key's just determined to, like, have an adventure or something right. with her. Yeah. And just kind of drags her all over the galaxy for a while. And then they run into... A rich girl. A rich girl in, like, their enemies on, on their Mars? enemy's planet. Is it Mars? I don't think it's Mars, Mars. But I think it's the opposing... It's like a neighboring planet yeah. with an opposing political system. Yes. I think it's, like, the subject of the war, isn't it? Like, they're... I don't think they were the ones who were fighting. Oh. I okay. think it was a different... There are okay. multiple space civilizations. Um, so this bored rich girl is convinced that the prince on her planet needs rescuing, which is not by wrong. Her. Yes, by her specifically. <laughs> specifically. And she's not wrong, but like... Not from her. Not <laughs> right or either. Yeah. So she and they stumble across Key and Marge. I don't remember her name. Uh, stumble across her, okay. whose name I also don't remember. The vet and the rich girl. Zuleika, I think. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Something like that. And then his name I fully am blanking on. But they just decide they're going to rescue this dude. I don't remember why they... Poor put-upon prince. I don't remember. There's some kind of, like... Oh, there's a coup. His sister... Yeah, there's a coup. His sister pulls But that's just accidental. Yeah. That's, Happens that's to be at the same get... time they kidnap him. It's the only reason they succeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of, like... Keep pulling them into one shenanigan after another. And they just sort of, like, bounce around and maybe get through it okay. And I felt so... I I sympathized really hard with Marge or, you know, whoever that is. The vet. The vet. Um, Because she was just... She was, like, the the closest to normal of all of them. (laughs) And she she was just, like... I think she could have been normal if she had, like, rejected Key in the motorcycles. Yes. But, but she's the most, like, reluctant. She's just, like, so stressed out by all this, all these mm-hmm. stressful things happening. And everyone else is just, like, rolling with it. And she's like, I'm actually very stressed about all of this. And I was, like, very stressed about <laughs> all of this. So, so um, we empathized. Yes. So it was delightful. Yeah. But Shadow of the Fox, as, mm, of the Fox. as we illustrated two episodes ago, <laughs> destroyed Gabby. <laughs> And that's the in one I would re- yes, that's the one I would reread if you put them both in front of me for sure. So, next right. up, we got Trouble the Saints by Alina Don Johnson. Alia Don Johnson. Burning roses. Ooh. Okay. I will fight you. I will fight you. <laughs> okay. 
So do you want Trouble the Saints? I've mentioned Burning Roses before. You've read Burning Trouble the Saints, but it's been oh, a while. Oh, yeah. I started. Nope. I, you didn't finish. <gasps> I read to 50%. So and then, you don't know what happens. No. <gasps> I was, so I, it was very good. Do not get me wrong. The writing was beautiful. It was not for me. That was yeah, my no thing. Yeah, no It was, there were two, it wasn't even that everyone was morally gray. I remember being frustrated because... They, none of, no one who was morally gray wanted to be morally gray and they wouldn't just accept the fact that they are morally and just embrace it just like if you're gonna go there just go there there's a lot of angst there's a lot of angst but a no lot one's of happy like, yeah. everyone's unhappy with themselves and with each other and I didn't care what happened to anybody because I you didn't know what that's why my mother hated us <laughs> she didn't care and I was like but you don't understand I, I didn't so I get, I have a really hard time with books when I can't decide how I want it to end. If I don't have oh, a way I really? want it to end, oh, that's interesting. then, I mean, it can surprise me, it can twist, it can end unexpectedly, but I have to have something I want to happen. I had no idea where it was going to go. And I and just... it was the best thing in the world. I don't mind not knowing where it's going to go, but I, I want to be hoping for something. And if I'm not okay. hoping for anything in particular, okay. it can be a subplot, it can be like, I want this person to be happy, it can be as general but I didn't care if any of them were happy. <laughs> I was like, you've all seen kind of like crap people. And I'm not sure. I just didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to happen. So I didn't know what to root for. Yeah. I didn't know who I wanted to be happy. And I was really just bummed out by it. But it was beautiful writing. It's amazing writing. And every bit of dialogue has a subtext, whether the character knows it or not. So tell us the synopsis. The synopsis. Oh, God. And you, like, can, you can spoil it for there me. There is no back summary on it. There's oh, there just isn't? a bunch of blurbs. Oh, I don't um, know. And then there's a small, like, paragraph on the inside cover. And it doesn't really explain what happens either. So I went in not really understanding what the book was about. And by the time I got to the end, I was like, okay, that's why there's no summary. <laughs> it's, it's about so many different things. It takes place on the eve of World War II in New York. In Manhattan and Brooklyn, but primarily Manhattan, in Harlem, I believe. Okay. So there are three main characters whose names I am somehow blanking on all of them. So there's this premise that some people get a magical talent and they call it having hands. And everybody's hands are different. White people do not get hands and white people don't really believe in them either. So the book is, is divided into thirds where each third has a different narrator and so there's one woman it starts with her and she has been an assassin for a, a white mm -hmm. mobster for the past 10 years and her hands are why she's an assassin she can do anything with knives <laughs> like there was this movie with james backavoy where like he could shoot bullets around oh, yeah. corners Wanted. and stuff yeah it was a bad <laughs> movie but like that's what she can do with knives anything she wants and so there was this really traumatic event 10 years ago that broke up her and the love of her life, Dev, who is the the second narrator. I remember these two dummies just like couldn't. He had so much guilt. <laughs> oh my god, it did get to be a little much at time at times, but like he is desperately turned on by blood and violence, and he has he's a pacifist, and so he hates himself for it, and he hates how much he loves it in Phyllis. Phyllis, Dev, and the other woman. <laughs> <sighs> oh, 
So the Phyllis is the is the assassin with the knives hands. And ten years ago, she had been with Dev, but was also she had been told by her white mobster boss that there was another white guy who was killing people of color and cutting off their hands. And so Phyllis went off on like a righteous mission and killed bloodily, violently in his own bed wrestled this dude and shoved a bunch of knives into him until he died after she had locked his girlfriend into the bathroom. And so 10 years later, his girlfriend comes back to kill Phyllis. Future Gabby here interjecting to let you know that spoilers for Trouble the Saints last from about here for about six minutes until the 1850 mark. That's 1850. And this is Future Smack with a few interjections of my own. First and most important is the fact that I forgot to mention until quite late in our original recording that Phyllis is a black woman, but she's also spent most of her adult life passing as a white woman. Second is that, despite what I said in our original recording, the magic powers aren't just called hands, they're called saints' hands. Thus the title. Sorry about that. And then it turns out that not only... There's a lot happening. Mm -hmm. But basically, Dev turns out to have been a police a informant. Yes. Okay. This is a spoiler. Dev was a police informant the whole time. He is a cop. Right. I remember this. And he broke up with Phyllis because he knew that the guy she killed hadn't been killing people of color with hands. It was the mob boss who'd been <laughs> killing everybody. And they end up killing the mob boss and trying to move out into the suburbs, essentially, to have a normal life. This black woman assassin in 1930s New York and this half Indian, half English guy. And they just want to be happy. And for... They're so bad at it. They're, they're really bad at being happy. But, like, they do find each other again. And so they do find measures of happiness. Right. And they're, they can see it on the horizon, but they're such flawed people. They're, they're hyper-intelligent, mm -hmm. and they are so much smarter and so much more capable than all the white people around them, including the mayor and the rich guys and the developers yep. and the weird Christian general store manager in this town that Dev sort of grew up in. He inherited this house in the Albany area or right. something, outside of the city. And so he has a lot of weird memories about this town, being the only non-white person in this town growing up. And eh, some stuff happens, Phyllis gets pregnant, but Dev is really worried about this curse that the white mob boss put on them. And it seems for the most part that it's useless worrying, but there's this whole culmination of like tensions within the town because he brought home a not white girl. Like one half white guy was enough for the town. And after that, they were like, uh-uh. Which is... Love it. And Phyllis does not give a shit. She's amazing. Good. She makes things worse, frankly. Of but like, <laughs> But, like, absolutely rightfully so. Yes. And she doesn't believe in the curse. And then Dev gets drafted. Mm. Pearl Harbor happens. Mm. Dev gets drafted. And he is genuinely torn about whether, one, whether he should get out of it. Two, how to get out of it. Those are the two most important parts. <laughs> And that's when things start getting complicated, is the second third. And then the, the last third is told from a, an omniscient point of view. 
Dev has been shipped out to the Pacific. There was this whole thing where, like, he tried to use his police contacts to get out of the draft, mm-hmm. and then he tried to use the mob contacts to get out of draft, and eventually he was just like, I have to go. And for a while he was like, maybe I could just be a conscientious objector and they'll send me to jail, but, like, I won't have to kill anybody yeah. and, like, guiltily arouse myself or whatever. Oh, Dev. <laughs> so Phyllis is pregnant when he leaves and kind of goes into seclusion. Sounds healthy. It's complicated. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but one of their, their other friends, she was, like, a snake dancer at, mm-hmm. their, at the White Monsters her, yeah. Club. And she's this really, like, young, cute thing who is pretty superficial and has deliberately chosen to be superficial because, like, there's only so much you can stand mm-hmm. while working for a crazy white mob boss. Yep. But it comes down to her to choose herself or Phyllis and Phyllis's baby. Ooh. Yeah. To break this curse. And it she learns where hands come from, essentially. Wow. And it's... It's just incredibly well played out, this tension between Phyllis, who doesn't believe in the curse, Mm -hmm. and her friend, who's like, you're going to die if I don't sacrifice myself. I know. And none of it would be an issue with, like, frankly, even if the mob boss hadn't been white. I don't think it would have been an issue. But it's really depressing at the end. There it is. It's really (laughs) depressing at the end. White supremacy kills them both. The baby lives. Yay. Dev was sent on a suicide mission because he was in a brown slash black regiment. Mm-hmm. And Phyllis starts to have the baby. Something goes wrong and they go to the hospital. And Phyllis has spent the last 15 years passing as white whenever she can. Mm-hmm. But the doctor doesn't believe that she's white. So they send her to the black hospital mm-hmm. and she dies before they get there. Cool. So it's white supremacy killed them all. Except for the baby. And the friend. Well, how the friend? Oh, the friend. She, in learning how and why this the hands came to exist, mm-hmm. she didn't have them herself, but like she sort of made a deal with the ancestors and got rid of the curse. Oh. Didn't have to die herself. She was really excited about that. And then Phyllis died anyway. Yep. Yep. Yay. Not only did Phyllis die anyway, they got the. It's not a Dear John letter, but, like, when somebody dies. Yeah. So they got the letter. She opened it. She went into labor. They went to the hospital. She died. Really glad I didn't finish that. And then... So glad. There's this, like... Because the last part is omniscient. Yeah. It follows the doctor who turns her away. And he's white, obviously. And there's this whole thing about... Not a whole thing. It's like a paragraph and a half. Where he goes home and has a whiskey in the evening and doesn't think about how he killed a woman. I could such see rich if you were Gabby. Basically, the whole story ends up being a condemnation of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's all about race. Even when the reader doesn't really pay attention to it. Yeah. And there there are some parts where from what I can tell, the writer who is black, mm-hmm. she spun the narrative so that some things seemed less important because they stereotypically appear less important within a white supremacist society. And so, like, there are secondary characters who understand some things that are happening, but, like, Dev, when he's in, like, his whiteness mode, when he's in his camouflage mode, Mm -hmm. doesn't catch everything. Mm. It's so good, but it's (laughs) so depressing. And it's really complicated. (laughs) 
and thoughtful. And it's not something you should read like before bed because it's too intelligent mm-hmm. if you're sleepy. And so like I loved it. My mother tried to read it. She got 50 pages and she hated it. So part Which, of the problem is that that was when I tried to audiobook and it went That one too, would be really hard. It was really hard. It was hard keeping track of the the world building because uh, with like yeah the world building audibly yeah and then it was too slow for for an audio what was going on yeah. yeah and audiobooks you end up like sinking in them longer is kind of yeah in a way if that makes that sense. one like i i appreciated being able to like flip back and but forth i can little. tell even if i had read this I, no you it's mm, not a gabby mm, book mm. at all okay so i adored it i thought it's like an actual it seems incredible like, piece incredible, of literature yes but it's not a Gabby book. No, not a Gabby book. So I burning roses. By it, <laughs> so okay, we're never gonna agree on this one, so we'll call that a tie. <laughs> Fireheart Tiger. Pocket Workshop. Oh. Which one's Pocket Workshop? Pocket Workshop is a series of short essays by speculative fiction writers. Uh-huh. Online. Like non-fic essays or Yeah, non-fic oh, okay. essays. On writing. Uh-huh. And okay. it had it might have Elliot de Bodard in it can't remember <laughs> but it was one of those books where it had every big name ever including octavia butler and ursula Le Guin and kim stanley robinson okay big ass names okay. it wasn't the best book on writing i'd ever read okay. but there were two specific parts i took away with, from it that mm-hmm. have been really helpful in my writing so you've so. read these both i've read these both i would read pocket workshop again interesting because i know the deficiencies in fireheart tiger mm-hmm. There were enough things, like especially the the fire spirit. If there had been more fire yeah. spirit, I probably would have read read it again. But like, eh. okay, we'll give you on the win on that one since okay. you've actually read that one. Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Zhu. Okay, versus versus Soul of the Sword. <laughs> So that was the weakest of the trilogy, we'll say. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the middle book usually is. Yes. Um, And you've read these both. I I mean, it didn't suffer for the reasons that second books usually do. Yeah. It just, like, there was a little stumbling at the beginning to get from A to B to get where they needed to go for the second book. But once they got there, it was really good. Like, through the death. Yeah, the whole, that 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 was was fine. But, like, the the reasoning behind it just didn't stand up. The death roads. Plot-wise. Shadow roads. Yeah. Hey all, future Gabby again. Past Gabby was a bit of a brainless goofball and just spends the next 30 seconds completely spoiling the Shadow of the Fox trilogy on accident. So if you don't want that trilogy spoiled, just fast forward 30 seconds from here. And then we never find out what happened. I realize we never find out what happened with Okame and um, his brother. Like, he has this whole thing with his brother's spirit, and he's like, I'll probably tell you someday. But then everyone died, so. <laughs> so he probably told his brother. Oh, you mean everybody else. He was going to tell everybody yeah. else. Well, he was going to tell, uh... What's your face? The yeah. Fox. You may go. Yeah. I fully just spoiled the trilogy. I'm going to have to put it in a spoiler oh, alert. <laughs> or cut it out. <laughs> um, anyway, so you, you're the one who's read these both, so... Mooncakes was cute. Mm-hmm. I would do Soul of the Sword. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. So you get for being honest. Ugh. Galactic Hellcats. <laughs> oh my God. 
The Order of the Pure Moon on Water by Zencho. Which you haven't read yet. Right. So that's the Order of the Pure Moon reflected on water. Reflected on water. Yeah, I remember I scribbling. I remember thinking pull our own. And then I think I just shorthanded it because I was like, I oh, know the says, whole title. Oh, the did Order I? of the Pure Moon reflected in water. Oh, good for I me. I just didn't read it right. Okay, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would reread that before I would reread. <sighs> oh, that goes in the loser pile. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Lobby Zona. The Shell Game by Janet Ivanovich. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, it was, a, that's, again, Anne Lee Goldberg. That's a, like a prequel short to the heist. It's cute. Oh, wow. It's like how they met, like right. how the first time he shows up on her radar. So it's like a cute mm. little yeah. thing. Lobazona was amazing. Okay, well. Argentinian immigrant werewolves running from ice. <laughs> You're going to love it. With a magic school. Did you say it has a cliffhanger, though? That's what I was wondering. Because it has a sequel, right? Yeah. That's out. I mean, it's, it's out. Not, I know, I've been on the waiting list since I finished the first one. Oh, through the library? <laughs> yeah. You didn't just go buy well, it? because I bought the paperback Lobazona. Oh, and the, it's hardback? Yeah. Mm. Which is like a dumb thing to get hung no, up I, on, I, but I, like... Yeah, I'd have a problem with that, too. That's why I went and got the first Sign of Snow in hardback, even okay, though I have a perfectly fair. good <laughs> paperback. Oh, I should have just bought okay. Lobazona in hardback and then... Then I can have them both in hardback. You could just go get the hardback Lobby's own and give me the paperback. And you think I'll like <laughs> it enough. You'd like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know yet, do I? I haven't read it. <laughs> and then by the time I get around to reading this, the Lobizona, the second one will be out in paperback. And then it'll work out for both oh of us. God. You see? You see? All I have to do is shell out for two hardbacks. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I'll pay you for the paperback. Okay. Uh, one last stop by Casey McQuiston. <laughs> Harriet Porber and the bad boy Parasaurolophus. <laughs> Which I did not write down because I knew I wouldn't. Parasaurolophus. Oh, did I write it? I don't know. I can't read all the letters. <laughs> I ended up scribbling because I thought I would knew what Well, it's what clearly it a Chuck Tingle book. Yes. That was the only one that you've read. Yes. So. That's the one that's a, like, anti-turf response anti-turf to... Thing. And it's actually, it was actually, like, the cool thing about it was <laughs> Snape, the Parasaurolophus, has uh, meta magic. He's like a rock, he's a famous rock star for the Nine Inch Nails. Is the real band Nine Inch Nails? Yes. Then in, for the Seven Inch Nails. Okay. <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> and, but he has, like, a, this meta magic ability. So, like... Well, so it manifests as so it's a it's a way of engaging with the audience when he writes okay. their music. But That's it manifests as he can interact with the reader and yeah. like comment on Harry Potter and all this stuff. And the way he worked that in actually like was very interesting. How he... I've I've heard that response over and over to Chuck Tingle stuff where like people will be describing it and then they'll go, but actually it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> Question mark? That's what my friend Maria said too. It's like, it was surprisingly good. Like, it doesn't sound like it would be good at all. Because it's Chuck Tingle. I, don't, I mean, I don't know anything about Chuck Tingle. Really? No, oh, yeah. I've never he heard anything. He always does um, like really dumb sort of overly topical books. Okay. And then... It was very strange. There were anthropomorphic motorcycles running around. Yeah. Things um, like that. And he's he's been nominated for Hugo twice. Dang. By the sad slash rabid puppies. Did you hear about that? You by don't... the what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've heard nothing about this person other than that he wrote Harriet Porter. I have the bad boy definitely explained this to you, and but it's probably sequel. been a while. 
pre-2016, the science fiction and fantasy community had a bit of a Nazi problem. Oh, yes. You did explain this part. Yes. Um, I didn't know this had anything to do with Chuck manifested Google. into these two groups of alt-right guys. Awkward. Some of which were Two Nazis. groups? Yes. One... The original were called the sad puppies because they were oh, just that's sad right. that there's so much diversity. Gross. And, yeah. <laughs> and then the rabid puppies were mad that there's so much diversity. And they all came up with a bunch of voting slates for the Hugos. Right. Yeah. And nominated Chuck Tingle as a joke. And then he sent... Oh, that's unfortunate. The woman who was like the original victim of Gamergate, he had her go to the Hugo ceremonies in his stead to give a speech if he won. I don't think he won, but, like, he's all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was really worried where that was headed. Yeah. But. Um, that's a vast oversimplification of the whole sure. thing. But, like, that's how he, okay. how he ended up Hugo nominated. God. Yeah. You, you have told me this. I didn't make the connection between. Yes. Yeah. That. So, yeah. It was, like, it was, like, I think it was under 200 pages. I read it, like, on the plane on yeah. the way to Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii. like, he cranks these things out delightful. whenever anything happens. It's fun. Yeah. Fun, goofy, <laughs> anti-tariff nonsense. And I have to say, I've never actually read a Chuck Tingle book. Hasn't come up. If you'd like to, <laughs> let me know and I'll steal it back from I, I think I'm okay. I've got other stuff on my list. <laughs> so, One Last Stop <laughs> by Casey McQuiston is... We have mentioned that one before. I think so. Not in depth. Not in depth. Because yeah. you were just, just starting it. I it or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's a delight. Okay. I'll probably give you this one. You're going to love it. The premise is this girl named August moves to New York City to sort of... Hey, another month name. Maybe that's why it came up. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway. I don't even remember why we were talking about that. So she moves to New York City, half to get away from her mother, and half to, like, finish off her college, like, to take more classes. She has no idea how close she is to finishing, and, like, actually, like learns how close she is during the book (laughs) like oh i might achieve something with my life who knew um but like her mother is it's just her and her mom and her mother is obsessed with the disappearance of her brother who was like 10 years older and had moved to new orleans and like sent her a letter every week sent her postcards every week and then he just vanished oof and the parents would never talk about him or anything and like it it very quickly becomes clear that it's because he's gay like he left it was the 70s and i don't even think her mother like realized it was because he was gay which struck me as sort of weird Hmm. but like basically so august and her mother have spent august's entire life trying to track down the brother slash uncle and They've never gotten anywhere close, but August has all these amazing investigative skills now. So she goes off to New York. She ends up sharing an apartment with, like, four other people. Remember we discussed? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> like, like, there's always something happening. Yeah. Not crazy, like, bad crazy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's queer. Everybody is dealing with something, whether it be mental illness, and they're all broke. And basically... On on the train one morning, August sees this, like, really cute girl, like, this butch lesbian with, like, the leather jacket and the, like, kerchief or whatever and a scarf. And August is like, I just spilled coffee all over myself and I'm late for my first day at a waitressing job. Adorable. Great first impression. But, like, she's really cute about it and hands August a scarf and they're having a moment. And then the train 
jolts and the electricity flickers on and off and then the girl is gone and it turns out she's stuck in 1975 i think 73 75 okay but she hasn't realized it she only comes aware like more after she spends more time with august and then they start like exchanging like cassette tapes august goes to like a bunch of thrift stores Ah, (laughs) and they they call in requests for the radio and then they send song requests back and forth to each other. It's so, so cute. cute! It's so cute! Okay, you win, you win, you win. <laughs> Take your winnings. One win. You're... Oh, okay. I don't even think yeah. I can beat you at this point. I'm sure. Mm, I'm not. Blood in the Thread? By Cherry Oh, that's Cherry the Knight. short story you sent me for my... Oh, yeah! I uh, think Fairy Tale Retelling. Fairy Tale Retelling, yeah. yeah. So one of the spots yeah one of the spots was for a fairy retelling from 2021 retelling whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever and you were short on books at that time so i sent so i sent you i googled tour.com fairy tale 2021 because i those are no longer the novelettes right (laughs) which is like Eleven thousand words, seventeen thousand yeah. words. So. so it's really short. It was online. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, was it good? It was good. It wasn't happy. It was interesting because I feel like you could have walked away with like two wildly different interpretations of how it ended. Oh, really? And it was interesting to see some of the comments since it's on Tor.com because some people read it not the way I read it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember details. It's a retelling of the Crane Wife. Oh. Which is about this guy sh- accidentally shoots a crane, brings it back, nurses it back to health. And it turns into a woman. And it turns into a woman. Right. Or, like, goes, like, he re-releases it, and then she shows back up, and it's never, like, I don't think she says she's the crane. But, they never do. But they, like, they get together, they get married, and then she ends up, she closes herself into a room, and... So you can't come in and ends up like making all these clothes for him to sell like at market and like because he's like a merchant or something it's something okay. like that um and so he comes back and every night she closes herself into this room and like makes a bunch of clothes but and then it's like well why does she need to shut herself in and it turns out that she's because she's crane she's i guess plucking herself <gasps> to make oh my god these so it's like almost like bleeding and like oh. so, it's a very like violent. Depends like the yeah. version you read, I guess. It's more or less gruesome, and sometimes it's just a surprise. You're the crane, and like you're mm-hmm. putting yourself into this thing for me and us and our relationship. And sometimes it's a very like horror, gruesomey, mm-hmm. bloody thing. So this retelling is told from the point of it's like a modern spin on it, where she's an actress, oh. and he's like a co like an actor, and they end up in a lot of films together. And um, her makeup artist is, they're in love with each other, but their publicists, the two actors, publicists, like, basically arrange for them to be together. Like, it starts out as, like, just a fake romance Mm -hmm. just for the crowds or whatever, but it ends up, like, being more and more real. But there's, like, this layer of domestic abuse in there, and the makeup artist is always, like, covering up bruises and stuff. But the language and the way it's told makes everything like very oblique, so it's kind of hard to figure out what exactly is happening. And I remember the ending, you could either read it as 
So I read two layers of this. I remember saying that um, it was a really interesting way that it reflects these like folktale themes about love and sacrifice and what you're willing to put into a relationship. And the more direct reading was like their direct reflection of the original tale, which parallels like this abusive relationship in which there's no actual love and what love is professed is disingenuous and like all the sacrifices she's making in this relationship for their like fake relationship. Right. So there's that where it's her, this this actress and him mm -hmm. that you could spin as like that's the part that's the retelling. Right. I read the retelling as the makeup artist and her because the makeup artist is like putting herself into right. this like all this makeup yeah. and putting and her love for her is expressed in like her giving her this face to put on right. for the outside world. So so that's the way I spun it. And then like the way it ended could be either I don't remember how exactly it ended. Something happened like at the altar. Ugh. I don't I don't remember. I remember it like you could have interpreted it either way. I'm gonna read this after. But it was very, yeah, I've seen like something you'd enjoy. I thought you would write it. But it was very it was nope. beautiful. I just Googled. I'd be interested to see like yeah. what you think I'll and how that. you spin it. But that was that was that. And then gifting fire. <laughs> I would give you gifting fire. What did you do? Not having read it, but more dragons. It's the sequel That's the sequel to, to Stealing yeah. Thunder. There are more dragons. More dragons. It's intense. Yay. It's intense. It's, a, it's darker than Stealing Thunder. Okay. But it turns out okay. Okay. <laughs> the Girl of Fire and Thorns by Ray Carson, right? I really am a... Oh, good. Okay. That's going to require some explanation. I really am a slag show. <laughs> is how do you it's a ftn a foreign translated novel okay the author the only thing i find on the author are the chinese characters so i've no idea how to say the author's name interesting i'll put it in the show notes so i have a friend who's very into the into foreign translated novels so mm -hmm. she reads so many of them and then sends me the decent ones <laughs> <laughs> And I guess it is. It's one of those uh, areas that is rife with, um, and the, the, even this one, um, it, and it's hard to explain. I actually found a really good explanation of some of the um, controversy behind this whole niche of, or genre of mm -hmm. um, translated novels where it's Gaelic, a lot of it, and a lot of the Gaelic coming out of these foreign translated novels is um, male slash mm -hmm. fiction. But it's you that's still very much um, fetishized. Oh. So there's a very valid argument to be made of how gay relationships are portrayed. But the flip side of it is it's a very uh, denigrated genre because the main readership is female. Right. So it's like how much of this, how much... So it's, it's a little bit layered of a problem. Yeah. Um, I'll dig up the link I found that very well summarized yeah. how this underlying problem in foreign translated novels. So that comes up a lot. Like I've, I've read academic critiques of fan fiction that mm -hmm. say the yeah, same it's thing. It's very similar. Yeah, it's the same kind of deal. So I know, I like Megan must be wading through so many like much worse versions. <laughs> so, so not your favorite. Well, no, no. So I actually really, so it's one of the transmigration stories, which is, okay. um, have, are you familiar with this Vaguely. concept? So the idea is someone in like the modern world usually dies mm -hmm. and gets like, and then depending on the world building behind it, in this particular case, there's like a, there's a weird, like, it's called the system. Okay. And the idea is you can get reincarnated in like several different plots 
And if you achieve a certain number of plot points, then you score how many points. And once you reach a certain number of points, they'll re resurrect you back into your body if you're successful. And if you're not, like, then you just die. Oh. So it's really cool. Like, some yeah. of the concepts are really cool. That's um, really interesting. And there, there are tons of transmigration stories. Yeah. So many. And so, and then the, this one I enjoyed because the, the main character is not the brightest bull. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, and so, and the system is, in this case, a character. And that's not always the case where the okay. system is. So this, like, system is, like, kind of in his head and is mm -hmm. meant to be helping him reach the plot points. Okay. So the system, like, he gets resurrected in these plot points. And then the guy, and the system is, like, here's what you need to achieve. And in each of the plot lines, he's a slag show, which is a, um, <laughs> this is more awkward explanation. In, I guess in, in Chinese translated fics, the dominant role in a male slash is the gong and the submissive role is the show. And a slag show is the trope where the, um, the main character has a relationship with some with a guy who ends up basically like destroying their lives for whatever reason. So they're like the misdirected, like the bad, the first bad choice okay. before the true love interest sweeps in and like saves them from all the bad decisions right. they made and the slag shows evilness. So he has to basically be the villain. So he has to meet all of these villainous plot points, but he's not like a bad guy. <laughs> so at first he's like. And at first he's like, okay, I can do this. This is fine. And then he actually has to do it. And but a lot of the times, like the slag show and these storylines, like gets like beaten up or killed, like because they're the villain. Like right. they get yeah. destroyed. And he's like, but I don't want to be destroyed. The system's like, I'm trying to explain how this works. <laughs> if you want to be resurrected in your body, you just got to do it. And he's like, fine, and, like kicking and screaming. But he tries. So he tries. But for some unexplicable reason the main character keeps falling for this resurrected guy, no matter how bad his villainous character ends up being. He tries so hard to be evil, and the main character just somehow manages it to explain it all the way every time. And like, or like some, some weird quirk happens, and the plot line just goes off the rails, right. no matter what. And so the first time it happens, they're like, oh, you're, you're learning the ropes, right. like, you'll be fine. <laughs> Second time around, they're like, why are you so bad at this? <laughs> it's not that hard. Just be a villain. Just let it happen. And then, like, the third time through, he's like, I just I just won't do anything. Like, I'll just, like, and the system keeps trying to help him out by giving him easy ones. Right. Like, all you have to do is sit there and not do anything. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'll sit here and not do anything. And somehow, somehow it keeps... <laughs> so, like, so I love the world building. I love this premise. I love these, like... They're both kind of morons. Like the system, it's, it's interesting because there's a main system, mm -hmm. and at some point, the like the system who's in his head keeps having to like check back in with like <laughs> daddy system, okay. and is like, I don't know what's happening, and it becomes apparent that the system is also not the brightest. <laughs> I love so it's not like, so bright. You're right? It's <laughs> fun when they're just little dum dums doing their best. <laughs> So, so it's one of those things where you have to be willing to deal with the, cr when the cringe comes up, you're like, oh, okay. And then just power through, empower it. through it. And so, yeah. Well, so 
was also a bit was, of cringe in the Girl of Fire and Thorns. Right. We've talked about We've this. We've talked about this. I I mean, like, despite the the body image issues mm-hmm. and the bed, dot dot dot. The stylistic choices, shall we say? Yes. She she does prove to be like both overweight and smart, which doesn't right. always happen in so is this, literature. Are we considering just the first? I'm just talking book? about the first. Okay. Because okay. if it was the whole series, I would say I right. win. Yeah. Hands down, Hands down. Give me my paper. Yes. Um, and I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> but even even with the first book, like I really liked that she didn't just go along with her husband, the king. Who, yeah. Who like. You, you realize by the end of it, he's he is also kind of a dum-dum. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't try to be malicious, but if you're a dum-dum with that much power, like, your choices yep. are going to hurt people. And she, she intends, even though she falls in love with this kid, they're both kids, but, like, one, there's that whole thing of, like, the kid she falls in love with isn't the first guy she right. meets. And two, like, she has this really impressive sense of duty. And she's smart enough... To, like, help the rebels mm-hmm. <laughs> pull off these sort of ridiculous, like, not they're not that ridiculous. They're gr- It's guerrilla warfare. But, like, she has, she's just so smart. She's just so smart, and I love it. <laughs> okay, I'll get you this one. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Last two. I know. I feel like you won the last few, so maybe. Maybe. Among the Silvery Herd? Silvery, Silvery Herd. herd. Ruin and Rising. Ha! <laughs> so unless you're really... Ruin and Rising is by Lee Bardugo. Mm-hmm. Among the Silvering Herd is by A.M. Della Monica. Okay. It's my prequel entry Okay. Uh, for the bingo thing. Oh, that's right. And it's a prequel to Daughter of No Nation, I think it's called, which you would love. She's a biologist. Her mom is a biologist. Okay. And they're like iguanas and like ecological what? things. <laughs> And also pirates. What? And a, a portal world. Have you given this to me? No, it's an ebook. Dang it! <laughs> Ruin and Rising is the third book in the Shadow and Bone trilogy, which of the three wasn't so bad. Was probably the best because it's that's when she has the whole cast and yeah. it's finally like Let's I work have better with yeah with more characters. <laughs> but good lord. Okay. <laughs> And now we got The Wolf in the Woodsman by Ava Reed. Reed. Yeah, by Ava Reed. And then A Song of Wraiths and Ruin by Roseanne Brown. I have to think this The Wolf in the Woodsman will win. A Song of Wraiths and Ruin was very good. I love Malik. Malik is the is one of the main characters. I think I already mentioned the I don't remember her name, but the main character, the princess in A Song of Wraiths and Ruin. Just spends a lot of time. I mean, they both honestly spend a lot of time hating on themselves. Oh, great! That's fun. And they both have like she has, she has a very interesting like. Uh, I don't know if PTSD is the right way to describe it, but her father and her sister died in this like horrible fire. I think when she was a kid, and she has like no memories of that night. And dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> wink. Uh, and but her her sister was supposed to become queen. Oh, and so like she had all the, the skills. She's the spare. Oh. She her mom describes her as mediocre. Oh, like that's and fun. she's like constantly being put down both by her mom and like the people around her. So they don't they have a very strained relationship. Uh-huh. 
and they're both misunderstanding why their relationship is so strange just because okay. they won't communicate and then as soon as they have a chance to communicate her mom's assassinated oh fun like as almost as they're having this conversation oh, uh-huh that's my favorite uh-huh and this is not spoilers this is like on the back cover i think yeah. like and then malik is a refugee from the Eshran Mountains, I think, is the name of the place he's from. And he's there with his two sisters. He's, like, the middle. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to sneak into this capital oh. because they're, like, it's a, it's like a, almost like a race issue. Like, yeah. you're from the Eshran Mountains and we don't want you here. So they're pretending they're from a nearby le- legit city. Yeah. There were air quotes. There were air quotes. There. <laughs> Um, and, um, so they're trying to sneak in, but because Malik has, like, this moment of, like, kind weakness for someone, he gets all their papers stolen, all their forged papers. Oh, no! And so they, like, and that was, like, their one shot to do this. So right away, it's like, why can't you do anything right? Okay. Now... Like, our family's screwed, we're screwed, and it's all your fault. He has an anxiety problem. Yeah, I bet he does. Um, he has a, he has a magic ability, basically, like, to interact with the magic, like, a kind of other world around them. So mm-hmm. he can see, like, spirits and other magical creatures, but everyone has spent his whole life telling him that... He's nuts. He's nuts. Oh, that's fun. So he, he thinks there's something wrong with him, in addition to his anxiety problems. Poor baby. And then they have a run-in with a big, giant, magical serpent um, while they're, I don't know, like, running around outside the city, like, what are we going to do now? Yeah. Um, I think, oh, his little, the little sister makes a wish. The storyteller, there's a special name, like a griot, griot? I don't know. I don't remember. But there's special... It's what happens when we retell books without them in front of us. <laughs> special storyteller who definitely has, like, more going on than... Meets the, the eye. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, his little sister guesses the end... Or, like, is able to answer the riddle in the story. And whoever guesses the riddle gets a wish with the storyteller. Mm. And it's meant to be, like, a cute little, oh, what's your wish? Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no, we don't have time for this, whatever. But the little kid goes ahead out... Like, she's six. She, like, goes ahead and spits out her wish. And it's something... It's, like, something for the family. It's something like, you know, I wish we could get in or... I don't remember. But the point is, the cost for doing magic, I don't remember the how to get, they got from point A to point B, but however that happens, basically this evil giant serpent kidnaps her. Oh, great. And is like, like this is the cost for doing magic in my realm, basically. Oh, man. And you'll get your wit. Or, yeah, to get into the city. And so, so that, that wish is granted, but, and they've managed to sneak their way into the city, but then the, so the serpent pops up. And, and takes like, the kid. And at first, Malik is like... I'm really hallucinating now, but now her sisters can see it because it's like really happening. Yeah. And then, so all of a sudden, Malik learns that he's not insane. And now this evil servant has been really destabilizing mentally. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Malik, man. (laughs) My boy's going through it. Um, But then the serpent's like, I get your life. And then they're like, no, no, let's bargain. And, or something, like, there's gotta be something you want. Mm -hmm. And somehow they arrive at. I'll give you your sister back if you manage to assassinate the princess. Oh, great. And the princess... That's a... Oh, God. Okay. The princess, so the princess is stepping into her mother's role, mm-hmm. does not want to be queen, thinks she's not suited to be queen, thinks that, like, because, you know, she's been put down her whole life. Right. Self-esteem issues. She finds out that there is a ritual that she could do to bring someone back to life. And it's, like, it's one of those things where, like, is this really a ritual? Like, would it even work? 
Is it real? Would it work? Can I even get the things that I would need to do it? Because it's a bunch of, like, crazy, like... You need, and like, at the very bottom of list of concerns is, is this a good idea? Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, she she merely thinks it's a great idea. Well, no, that's not true. That's not true. She, uh, If the other concerns were right. ticked off, it would be a fantastic idea. <laughs> Unfortunately, one of the conditions is she needs the heart of a king. Oh, great. So, oh, so she marries somebody, kills yep. him. So there's, okay. so this is all happening around this like fifty year festival, I think. Oh, that's not it's called Solstasha. Solstasia. I think it's fifty years. I okay. might be mixing some books up, but <laughs> this very occasion. It has to do with a comet going around, okay. and it turns out that there's this like this magic that the ruler of this. There's a lot going on in this book, but the I ruler <laughs> of the city can't leave the city if they want the magical protection of like this weird uh, comet and the Solstasha festival is a way of renewing this magical right. protection so she has to go through this like whole song and dance to keep the protections right. in place and part of that is there are these different factors like there's a sun clan and a moon clan and when you're born you're like depending on like what day of the week i think you get assigned to one of the seven huh. clans okay and each clan kind of gets to, like, they each choose a champion, and they go through, like, three tasks. It's a three-task thing. Mm-hmm. And then she gets to set the prize of the winner, and she's like, whoever wins gets to marry me, because <laughs> then she gets the heart of a king. <laughs> so she's trying to murder, basically, and then he ends up being the... Of course. Of course. And it's just to magic his way, actually, into being the... Because he's like, this is how I get close to her. Right. And she's like, I need to. So they're both basically plotting <laughs> to kill each other. <laughs> the whole book, and they're both really anxious, falling apart, stress balls about it. <laughs> so in some ways it's delightful, in some ways it's very stressful. Love, I read all the moving pieces were like I felt were really well done and mm-hmm. really well layered. Like for all that's going on, like like it hangs together. Yeah, that's good. I, I think, so so I'm definitely going to read the second one, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know that I'll buy it. I might library it, mm-hmm. to, like, just to see how it ends. <laughs> and then decide if I'm going to hold on Is to it. Is it a duology? It's a duology, oh, yeah. That's the second nice. one comes out in November. I started it thinking it was a standalone, and it was well, not. Do you know what is a standalone? The Wolf and <laughs> Yup! <laughs> it's 400 pages, but it's a standalone. Yours sounds good, but The Wolf of the Woods yeah. was amazing. Okay. It was so smart. I still can't believe it was a debut. Like, oh, this is her first book. I forgot to say the end of the the, the climax oh, of the first tell book. Me. Do you want me to actually spoil it? or? Sure. Future Gabby here one last time to let you know that Smack Let Me Ruin, a key part of the end of A Song of Wraiths and Ruin, And spoilers for that last until about the 56 minute and five second mark. So thanks, Mac. So what ends up happening is, so I don't remember the details, but Malik basically, like the serpent comes out and it's like, hi, like, I really just wanted to be free this whole time. I didn't give a crap about any of this. They accidentally <laughs> let him free okay. or break the, because he was actually the thing that was being trapped by the magical thing. The serpent was? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they accidentally release him somehow. <laughs> there was a lot going on at the end. I don't remember. Somehow her sister gets resurrected. and Oh, mm-hmm. instead of her mom. Because mm-hmm. there's someone else who's like doing evil shenanigans of behind the scenes. Is. 
who's I think in cahoots with the serpent right. too. So like they have their okay. whole thing going on, and the serpent's like, "Ha! I got what I wanted." And Malik was like, "But you could really get what you wanted." If you came inside my brain and possessed my body for a bit. That sounds like a great idea. And then he basically triggers an anxiety attack, which which traps <laughs> no. the serpent in his, like, but like, however, I don't remember the details, but that's, that's essentially so smart. Isn't that awesome? That was, like, the best part. Anyway, that's that was the coolest part of it was. That's so smart. And he used his mental illness against the That's so amazing. It was so great. Okay, I'll read it. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I knew you'd like that particular bit. Anyway, but I still think I still think probably overall the Wolf and the Woodsman wins this. I would fight you for one. Okay, if I had to. But if if, if the second one ended really well, I would fight for maybe the series as a whole. But because I was like frustrated with this whole like, they was putting themselves down the whole book. So yeah. I'm like, guys. But I really liked everything else. Pretty much like <laughs> everything else about that book it was great. All right. Okay, How so many do we count have? time. I'm pretty sure you won. <laughs> Twelve. Nine. What? Yeah. Oh wait, thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> that was not trash. That was a title. Okay. How did that happen? I don't know. There were some really good books in the bingo though. Yeah. Like, I'm we really, had a really good mix. Yeah, I'm really okay. glad we did this. Congrats. <laughs> You win this time. <laughs> Maybe we'll do this again in autoun for no particular bingo. We'll just pick a bunch of books, books from autumn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do this again sometime. Until next time, here's hoping you win a bingo. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of Infinite TBR. You can find us on our Twitter at Infinite TBR. And we are individually on Twitter as at what smack said and at gabalodon which is like megalodon but gab in the front of it and you can find all our show notes at infinitetbr.com if you have book recommendations for us or questions you want answered during the podcast feel free to email us at itbrshelf at gmail.com 